Is Rick Deckard a replicant? We'll find out how woke Harrison Ford really is at finding robots in this other futuristic sci-fi franchise he did 30 years ago and has no shame in cashing in on today. This is spoilers. Welcome to Spoilers. This is a uh, podcast where we exclusively review sci-fi films and John Candy movies. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about Blade Runner. This is a movie from 1982, directed by Ridley Scott. And uh, I'll uh, first I'll ask you guys uh, which version you think you watched and uh, what were your initial <laughs> thoughts. I like how you said which do you think you watched. I think <laughs> I watched the final cut. <laughs> <laughs> and uh what'd you what'd you think about it overall i don't know i it's never been a movie that i liked and i've watched it twice now uh, i actually just got done watching it about 30 minutes ago um but initial reaction don't like it i i think it's weird not good <laughs> but we can get in that later <laughs> that was vince the intern by mm. the way yeah let me introduce myself that i'm vince the intern here in uh, denver colorado um I'll pass it off to you, Pat, because you kind of jumped in there. Well, this is Pappy, also recording from Denver, Colorado. Um, I also think I watched the final cut, uh, the most recent <laughs> release. Um, yeah, I guess initial thoughts. I, I wasn't what I expected. This was actually my first time watching it, and part of the reason was I was always like intimidated on what version to watch, but it wasn't what I expected. That's my initial thought, I guess. Uh, this is Jordan recording from Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, I'm in oh, the I same boat as Josh. Oh, oh uh, I was Josh in the same boat as too? Pappy. Yeah, he is. Oh my gosh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's a callback joke. <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I didn't think Jordan was on, and that was Josh. My bad. Are, are we done? Are we done now? Or <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not even poking fun. <laughs> are y'all finished? Or are all y'all done? <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Um, I'm in the same boat as Pappy. This is the first time I've seen this movie, and it definitely was not what I expected at all. Also, I kind of like how it has so many versions, but I think we'll get into it. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. I've been thinking about it a lot over the last day and a half or so. Yeah, this is Stevie recording from Mishawaka, Indiana. Uh, this is my first time watching Blade Runner. I watched the final cut, and I did not like this movie at all. Yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, Josh. This is Josh, Jordan's brother. Uh, I actually have a pretty fond movie or remembrance of this movie in T101 at IU. Me and two <laughs> of my roommates, uh, we're, we were being shown this movie in class and we ditched out to go to the Reed McDonald's. So, um, yeah, so this is my first time seeing it too. I know oh, nice. that there's a cult following and a lot of people that really, really love this movie. And um, I'm glad Mikey picked it. Wow, thanks, Josh. Uh, but uh, this is the this is the storyline of Blade Runner here. We'll get into it. The plot is uh, in Los Angeles of November 2019. Ex police officer Rick Deckard is detained by Officer Gaff and brought to his former supervisor Bryant. Uh, Deckard, whose job is a Blade Runner, was to track down bioengineered beings known as replicants and retire them slash killing them. Um, and he found out that four have come to Earth legally. Uh, well, actually, six. And two of them get fried. Yeah, it was six. Oh. Depends on which version you watch. Either five oh. or yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, that could be true. Uh, but yeah, he has to go around town, find these four replicants, and uh, try and eliminate them uh, before they either expire because they all have a four-year lifespan, or before they hurt anybody else, which they seem to be doing regularly to try and survive. Uh, what do you guys think about this uh, kind of futuristic plot, and uh, does it kind of Hate remind it. you of anything? <laughs> Hate it. Hate <laughs> all of it. Uh, no. <laughs> just doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't know why 2019 in Los Angeles is basically one big Chinatown, like polluted Chinatown. It, I, I didn't understand the setting, and that threw me off the entire time. Every time I watch this, I, I just get distracted by the setting and how dark it is and how they're basically in a Chinese Los Angeles in 2019, which is only two years away from now. It's kind of hard to believe that uh, 20 years ago, this was someone's vision of like today. Um, that It just throws me off, so I don't know. Well, it goes back even farther than that, right? Because it's based on a book? Yeah. Oh, is it? Electric Sheep Dream of something where i just <laughs> had it oh, i lost Dream it of androids. Oh, androids. yeah i i don't know why there is so much like chinese influence in this set but it's steampunk that man. could be like attributed to like <laughs> it's not steampunk but there's like you can tell that there's like asian stuff everywhere um yeah. i think that could be attributed to like yeah i don't understand that just china is such a huge country and by this time in the future, they'd be everywhere by now, or just like taking. Well, we're up just more coming space. off the Cold War when this movie came out, right? So, I, I think that you know we just came off of beating Russia in the Cold War, and now we're looking at who could the next superpower be. And I think the answer at that point was definitely China, as it maybe still is today. I'm kind of confused that you're so thrown off about the Chinese or Asian aspect of it. I mean. There's a giant lady that keeps appearing, and he eats some noodles, but every main character is <laughs> white. It's a white No, film. for sure. It's just the setting feels weird, it, like for a, a dystopian future. Well, so, so I guess that the book uh, explains that this takes place after World War Three. So, you know, who knows what the geopolitical landscape looks like at that point, but I think more then the Chinese thing was just like the setting of LA itself and sort of what Vince touched on how dark it was and how very on La La Land, the setting of uh, Los Angeles, this movie. It was always raining in nighttime, 100% of the time. <laughs> always. It looked pretty polluted, so. <laughs> That's believable. <laughs> that is just unbelievable, but I don't know. I, I didn't like how they used the dark contrast the entire time to set the future as this terrible place yeah it looked uh it looked a lot like the matrix how it was like just a, a barren mm -hmm. wasteland yeah yeah they probably they probably copied the matrix mm -hmm. <laughs> i guarantee it <laughs> they hopped in their time machine <laughs> uh yeah this movie borrows a lot from like a cyberpunk type genre and it's like a really heavy influence on the movie throughout um after deckard like finds out about these four replicants he's uh, tracking him down, and uh, he runs into, I think it's Daryl Hannah's character named Zora, who uh, kind of is like a stripper or something. She's like know. a sex. <laughs> she's she's 
literally a, a replicant that's designed for like sex, right? That's what a sex a sex replicant. I almost got that. <laughs> replicant plus never mind. But yeah, this is another movie where <laughs> they're sort of like guessing on the future of like electronic sex. Even we saw it in Star Wars, saw it in another. Movie, yeah, but... uh, Grandpa, Grandpa Wookie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that scene still haunts me. Deckard uh, eventually kills Daryl Hannah's character, Zora, in the middle of the street and was like a super overdramatic death scene, which uh, I kind of had a problem with. Uh, what did you guys think of that? I thought all the fighting scenes were weird. Like any time a, a character went down, it just felt weird. There's the one time where the, obviously, I, I forget his dude's name, but it's earlier in the film. He drops like 17 cliche like sayings <laughs> while they're fighting and it made no sense. It didn't, it didn't add anything to the fight. I didn't understand that. He just kept saying, oh, I forgot. I think I texted you guys at least one of them, but he just kept doing it um, and it made no sense. And from there, I had a gripe with all the fight scenes. So first of all, Daryl Hammer is actually Priest. She's the... She's the other replicant that he fights later on. The first one, Zora, is played by... Um, Jonah Cassidy. Yeah. Right. Jonah Cassidy. Yeah, I, I think that fight scene, uh, when she's running through the glass and getting shot at, yeah. was shot really well and uh, dramatically. And for the time it was in, it's hard to give too many complaints about it. Um, one thing I didn't like about the fight scenes were that these replicants are supposed to be superhuman with power and they are but if you believe the ending that harrison ford is a replicant it doesn't really make sense that he couldn't spoiler alert yeah so okay um maybe we can move on from if he's a replicant or not right now but (laughs) well yeah i mean just to get back to the fighting and the death of zora i i don't think that this movie is supposed to be like about the action and it's more of like a psychological thriller and then just to sort of defend i guess that slow motion scene, like that's one of the first times I think, well, I guess it's the second time you, you see someone get shot. The first time you see a replicant get shot. And these aren't like, uh, the alien from Ridley Scott's or the, the robot from Ridley Scott's alien, that Android who's super like computery. This is like a flesh and blood basic human. So I thought that was like really striking to see like how violent it was. And the fact that it is in slow motion, it is supposed to, emphasize the emotion of, of you know what it, are these things human are they robots you know that sort of conflict but stevie did you what did you think about that what's that <laughs> F- the shooting scene running through the glass that was probably my favorite part of the whole movie um i thought it was ex- shot extremely well even by today's standards i thought that part was awesome even if it was a little over i guess dramatized um I say that was still probably the best shot part of the whole movie. Yeah, uh, the thing with that shot is, uh, depending on which version you see, uh, her running through the glass one in one of the versions, not the final cut. It is clearly a man in uh, a wig, <laughs> uh, and then they, uh, <laughs> oh, for the final cut, they digitally inserted her face, so it looks a lot better. Really, there's just a lot of things like that where the final cut is so much better compared to like the original cut because of technology advancing so much that they can digitally alter stuff that they wanted to. Cause there's a lot of things in this movie that they didn't get right the first time that they have said, uh, had an effect on the outcome of the movie. But yeah, after he kills Zora, he, uh, 
spots Rachel in a crowd, and uh, he's then attacked by Leon, uh, the guy that Vince hates so much. <laughs> and uh, they brawl in the street, and again, it's another cheesy action scene, but this movie isn't really known for its action. That might have been the best fight, because it was believable, because it was brief, and he just gets his ass whooped. Um, <laughs> maybe not so believable that Rachel has such good aim, and oh, yeah. just blows his brain out, but... Uh, I. Yeah, it's maybe a little cheesy, but well done. Yeah, it gets kind of back to where you're seeing the super strength of the replicants. But I feel like this is going to be another theme of the movie, that if they really are that strong, there's so many opportunities to kill Harrison Ford's character, uh, and they yeah, never he kind of, execute uh, on it. pussyfoots around it for a while. Yeah, and is this when you get like the... Two thumbs in the eyes, mountain and viper style thing, or is that later in the movie? Uh, he teases it. That's later. He's about to kill him like that when he gets shot. Love it. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, so <laughs> Leon gets his brains blown away by Rachel, who used Deckard's pistol. Um, they both return to Deckard's apartment, and uh, some crazy aggressive sex scene happens, which isn't really make any sense uh do you guys have anything about that it reminded me of the james bond rape scene <laughs> wait at the poolside one with uh connery no that's man talk <laughs> you're thinking about the one in the barn uh it was in a barn or something yeah the, the one in the barn where she tries to get away 50 times and he literally holds her against his that's will that's terrible against her will what movie yeah, is this, that? that sorry this is super tangent we're talking about Blade yeah. Runner, so <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that is it. This that that scene felt super weird when she kept trying to leave, and even if she was an android, like or a robot, he was still holding her against like her will. And I thought that part was kind of weird, a little uncomfortable, maybe. I kept thinking that I had like missed something early in the scene that like gave a reason for that but he just got really aggressive out of nowhere and i was like i was definitely taken aback and taken out of the movie a little bit yeah i guess he promises not to haunt her as if she is a replicant which he believes but then she, she still is, tries I to guess. leave <laughs> yeah so i don't so if know you rape, kind of like if you rape a robot is it still rape see i think that's sort of the central question of the scene is like if if that is a person what he's doing is indefensible but if that is a sex robot, is that okay? And then you also have the extra, like, you know, it has feelings, and that's been hinted throughout the movie, too. So, like, you know, is that a crime? But it is out of character for the protagonist to do that at that point in the movie. Yeah, it's uh, this movie brings up a lot of philosophical questions that could possibly be answered in the future, that I think is one of, like, its crowning achievements for the time. Um, but that is a whole nother question for a different podcast. <laughs> no, I think that is way to, too deep. We're equipped to take that on. I think. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, why don't we start off with Vince then? Vince, what do you think? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, but after that, uh, let's see, uh, they arrive at Sebastian's apartment, who is a guy who worked on the replicants, uh, putting together these four or six replicants that are uh, terrorizing people. This is where um, Time Bandits comes in, right? Yeah, this is oh, like, yeah. a little weird. Because <laughs> uh, Sebastian is a genetic engineer and uh, has created... Minions, almost. Yeah, minions or 
This the is the motley crew of time. Let's <laughs> just be honest. Are these guys sex slaves? Are these little guys sex slaves? They're not not having sex. Haven't. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're sex slaves. I think that he's such a weakling. They're literally just there to keep him company. But that's no less creepy. I mean, he's developing like actual creatures with brains, and they're they're really dumb. But there's man. That part was actually really creepy if you think about it. There's no companionship though in that dude's house. Like it's all like they're almost like pieces of furniture who are just kind of like sitting around like almost like in a something out of like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, like just like an insane person in the corner like doing something uh psychotic over and over again. Yeah, these uh these little minions that he created, I guess, aren't very bright and they're kind of running into walls all over the place, so it's hard to tell what their intention really is. He says they're friends. Um, but Sebastian uh, is being looked for by Roy, who uh, wants to find ways to live longer because he believes Sebastian knows some secrets as to how to make the aging process for replicants stop. Which they're only like three or four years, right? Right. Four years. Four years. And then they get retired. Retired. Um, Killed, yeah. Yeah, Sebastian tells No, they even, Roy, if someone, even if someone doesn't physically kill them, they just die after the four years. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was yeah. interesting because you had the human character, uh, Sebastian Wright, the genetic engineer, who also had like a fast aging disease. Yeah, like a de- degenerative brain disease or whatever. And it's yeah. almost like his DNA could have been like used to contribute to that part because it sounded like he was actually he either like directly contributed to the project like with his DNA or something. He it's said really there's weird. a little bit of me in you. Yeah. Yeah, but that could have yeah. went back to sex slave thing again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? See, oh gross. That's gross. <laughs> and I don't get it. Can you explain? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Roy confesses that he's done questionable things, um, to Tyrell. Uh, Tyrell is the creator of these replicants, and, uh... Mace Tyrell. Yeah, just basically tells Roy that there's no possible way that he could survive longer than four years. Uh, Roy doesn't like that answer, and so (laughs) he, he, uh, squeezes Tyrell's brains, uh, into his face. The mountain. Man, okay, so first of all, that's multiple Game of Thrones references in one. So much Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, but I gotta say, I think Mikey glossed over like a lot from that conversation. Kind of like this, the prodigal son was mentioned and that he's a creator. And they kind of have this little moment and you don't think that Roy's going to kill him kind of out of respect. And I think there was regret on Roy's face for doing it even after he did decide to do it. Was this where he kissed him before he like crushed his skull? He did. Yeah, yeah. That, it's yeah. so weird. Well, it's it's his dad. I mean, that's the closest thing to a dad he has. No, for sure. But he like, I don't know, goes in for a kiss. So what's that supposed to mean? And then he crushes its skull or his skull. Yeah, it's kind of a weird moment. The kiss is kind of unexpected. But it's a pretty gruesome uh, death scene because he like breaks his face in. But after that, Roy uh, goes down the elevator, and uh, it is implied that he kills Sebastian. Uh, so after Deckard makes it to Sebastian's apartment, he managed to manages to kill Pre Pris. 
uh, just as Roy returns. Prius. Prius? <laughs> Wasn't exactly sure what her name was. <laughs> Shout out to the sponsor. Toyota Prius, yeah. What did you guys think of that fight scene, gymnastic fight scene? I like when she was about to squish his skull like a nutcracker with her, her legs. <laughs> she grabs his nose with like two fingers like a fish hook thing. Ouch. <laughs> Brutal. This movie isn't known for its action, so I, I don't know why she was doing so many flips. She had so many chances to kill Deckard. Uh, it's kind of stuff like this that like made me zone in and out of the movie. Because it's just, like, so inconsistent. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I was kind of doing the same thing, Mikey, where, like, the action sequence would start. And, like, ah, except they could have killed him, like, four times by now. Um, I'm kind of glad that Pappy pointed out the the different aspects of the earlier fights. Where, like, the one is emphasizing their super strength and he's just getting his ass beat. And the other one is kind of showing how human she is when she gets killed. But I don't really don't see the point of this one. Um, it just seems like they're they wanted an action sequence in here for her to get killed. I don't know. I just feel like if the same properties of super strength applied, he, she could have just squished his skull like a grape with her legs. That's game over. Like, yeah, except he is a replicant yeah. as well. And she couldn't. Well, I mean, it depends on what cut you watch. Do you really too. believe Stay woke. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Really we'll get there. That, we'll get there. Uh, yeah. So Deckard shoots her and she like rides on the, riles on the floor, like uncontrollably. It's really, disturbing scene wiling out <laughs> yeah she's just losing it uh roy starts to die because he's chasing deckard through the building and uh they've been fighting and deckard hits him with a lead pipe or something and runs onto the roof of the building uh he tries to jump to the next roof uh but misses and is left hanging and uh this is kind of like the final dramatic scene of the movie how do you guys what what do you guys make of this like final scene? Like we'll go through it, but what do you guys take away from this? Um, okay, I'm not gonna lie. So I was zoning in and out of this movie. <laughs> Steve <lot>. didn't watch <laughs> it. Didn't watch it. He no, Vince this, watched it. He Vince watched this it. This movie should have been called Blade Crawler, not Blade Runner, because <laughs> it was very, very slow. But um, so he lifts him up on the building, drops him. Dudes, Rucker Hauer is monologuing even more, and I I don't. Why did he save him? Yeah, that's the question, right? Yeah, that's like it really doesn't make any sense to me. That's why I'm asking you guys. I <laughs> I don't know why did did he is he a robot? Is that the only reason he saved him? I don't know. Yeah, I think Deckard's a replicant. Is that the only explanation as to why he saved him, or is it to, is it to show that he actually is human and doesn't want to kill everything? Not that he's human, but he can have human emotion and spare life when he needs to. Isn't that the argument right there? I think you just touched both. Yeah, is that is that like the argument right there? Is that I think so. he can actually show have human compassion and actually value life? Even earlier on in that chase sequence, he mentioned something like making sure that he's still alive because if he if he if uh Rick dies and the game ends, right? Like he sort of starts that little speech early. Uh, well, the last thing he says to him is that he's seen so many things and they're going to die with him, his memories. So my take was, yeah, maybe it's compassion, but I think it's more narcissistic than that. I think he wanted to show how much wisdom he had gained and pass it off to someone and l- let him live and kind of tell the tale. Also, maybe to give him a lesson if you don't have to kill every android there is. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a the theory that all blade runners 
who are like the policemen that go they could find the replicants are replicants themselves, which I think he could have that like realization moment of having feelings and kind of being empathizing for other replicants and then kind of coming to knowing that him himself is actually a replicant. But I, don't I think, know. And I think this is why I actually do kind of like this final scene is that there's definitely no definitive answer and it does yeah. spark this kind of debate of either existential questions of like, what does it mean to be human? Or even just like, how do you interpret what we saw, which is ambiguous. So it'd be interesting the fact that there is a sequel. With Harrison Ford in it. So it's obviously the same universe. So uh, Roy dies in front of Deckard, uh, kind of on the roof there. And uh, Deckard sees him. Gaff arrives, which is played by Edward James almost, and shouts across to Deckard. It's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does? Uh, Deckard returns to his apartment to find Rachel asleep in his bed. As they leave, Deckard notices a small tinfoil origami unicorn on the floor, uh, a familiar calling card. that brings Like the one from the dream. Yeah. What do you guys uh, <laughs> make about that? Do you think uh, that has any indication of whether Deckard is a replicant or human? So I actually saw this thing online. Um, actually, I think I was listening to the Now Playing podcast, which did a podcast on this too. I think that's where I heard this, but... Apparently, Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott hated each other over this point, where Ridley Scott always wanted it to be uh, that Harrison Ford was a replicant, and Harrison Ford thought that that undermined uh, the whole relationship uh, with Roy and learning from a replicant. Mm. Just like a replicant would think. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely cut by cut on how you interpret that. Uh, but. Yeah, I guess uh, the reasoning here is that Gaff is a replicant himself, and I guess he knows the thought process of uh, Deckard and knows that he's thinking of unicorns for some reason, which is why he made the origami unicorn. Um, but I don't know. I don't really see... It could go either way for me, I guess, but... Unless you believe that of the millions of animals he could origami... He randomly chose Unicorn. I don't know if there's any real wiggle room here. I mean, clearly they know, someone knows what he's dreaming. And that specific officer was giving him a warning. Like, hey, I can get in here. You need to take your chick but and run for Does a replicant need to eat and drink? I, I think that that is pretty Does a replicant need to yeah. eat and drink? Yeah. Because he's like getting wasted throughout the whole movie. Can replicants get drunk? Yeah, that but like, does a robot question. need a drink? I mean, I think they can. Ex- <laughs> does that have like any effect or anything? Definitely. These replicants aren't really robots. I mean, these replicants are shown, like Pappy said, bleeding out, and I, I think they have human organs, and they're just called replicants or robots to kind of soften when they need to be killed or why they need to be slaves. I think that's kind of a big big question in this movie but to get back to w- whether uh deckard is a r- replicant or not i think that the evidence presented in the final cut makes it pretty cut and dry that he is it's whether or not does that add to the story or make it worse i think is the real question i don't know if i like it's kind of a dumb twist uh for me compared to the original cut of the but, movie i guess was it's like so much better than the original because i guess deckard just like flies to a forest in his car or something 
and escapes with uh, Rachel. I guess it's kind of like a happier ending, but I don't know. Oh, I was just going to say, speaking of versions, did anyone do their homework to know like the X amount of versions that exist and what the differences are? I certainly did not do that homework. <laughs> uh, no, I know that there's like at least seven. Well, there's at least four, right? Versions. Vince, I thought you were setting yourself up to sound so smart. Like, check this out, guys. And then you're like, oh, I didn't. But yeah. Like, no, I think there's like I think there's like at least seven different versions. There are seven, right? I thought it was seven. Yeah. I think jo- I, I Josh looked this up. Uh. I think there's four main ones, and then there's like other minor, like edited for television. I think that enhances the lore of this movie, but I don't think that makes it a better film. It just makes it a nuisance. The freaking <laughs> it really understand. does. Yes, it does. Do you do you think that it kind of is cool that uh, Ridley Scott, the director, was able to kind of go back and fix the things he wanted to fix? Though, like, I think that's kind of cool that he can think about it for a little bit longer and kind just of just sounds back like and, he has severe ADD and and make it more to like to his vision. Like why? Why does a movie have to be like a finalized project all the time? I guess. Well, we rip on we rip on George Lucas for doing that, but Ridley Scott's cool for doing it. I mean, if you watch the original one, you probably felt a little bit backstabbed. I would guess. I think what the final cut does better than the Star Wars ones is it's more smooth where those graph or those uh, effects were updated. Where when I'm watching the original Star Wars, like it's really obvious when George Lucas like it's like. A stunning CGI effect and like what's otherwise more practical effects of that Star Wars world where this is more smooth between what was updated and what was the original take. Well, yeah, Ridley Scott is like a good producer director. So. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> so that's the answer. If it's good, it's okay. But if it's shitty, <laughs> uh, well, so, yeah, so uh, you guys got. Well, did anyone does? What's the reasoning that he didn't get his way like the first cut, the first theatrical or whatever? I mean, there's 27 different versions, but what's the reason that he didn't get that? Does anyone know that? My understanding was the studio wanted to implement this like voiceover mm. that Harrison Ford didn't want to do yeah. that made things a little bit more clear. It sounded like he mailed in the voiceover too. Like, did it kind of shitty on purpose because he knew it was bad? Interesting. Speaking of that, I thought I I, I think Harrison Ford gets the uh, like he acted well in this. I guess like that's probably like, I think the over like. Most people say that. I I think he acted pretty terribly. I don't. What do you guys think of his performance as Rick? I Decker? thought his acting was god awful. I thought it was really bad. I thought I like, thought it was like the most mailed in performance he could do. Same. I thought he was just he was trying to cash in a check on some kind of sci fi movie. That was he looked hung over the whole time and just didn't want to be there. Yeah, but also <laughs> like I've been reading up that there might be some like br- brilliance to that. Like if that's what the character uh, Deckard's supposed to be. So a bad I, actor. <laughs> yeah, bad actor. <laughs> a, a drunk all the time. <laughs> the character is the character is perpetually <laughs> That's true. That's true. He was just method yeah, acting. Terribly delivered lines. Well, and if this character and if the character was like making the real Yeah, what wait, what do you mean terribly delivered? What do you want to see more energy? Yeah, I'm not Do you want to see more energy from that grizzly guy whose job it is to kill people every day? Well, like, if you're going to have like the most like I guess you could say this just if the future looks that bleak and awful, I don't want the protagonist to also be bleak and awful. I'd rather just see something to liven up the surroundings, but I guess that's not the point of the movie. Yeah, I completely disagree. That's writing, yeah. not acting. I, I think that he Maybe. fits in with the whole aesthetic of the film, and that's why it's like more of a work of art than a popcorn flick. But Yeah. 
So, Pap, you think you think you think his. So me and Stevie thinks he he acted poorly, but you think that it's more of like a character. He like played it that well. I think if you're really asserting that Harrison Ford phoned in his performance, that's that's absurd. Like he really cared about it. He got in a fight with Ridley Scott about how this character should be. Like he definitely yeah, but there's cared. like reshoots and, and, and that, stuff. So do you know the timeline of the fights that he had? I mean, there's a possibility that they were arguing, but like there's reshoots and like not everything's always shot in chronological order. So there's a possibility that he was like pissed and like half-assed in scenes, you know? I think the choices that he made were intentional, including the fact to do shitty on the voiceover in the theatrical cut. Like that's, yeah. that's half-assed what he does the rest of the time. I think but, I mean, it's a sincere yeah. attempt. Hmm. And I agree. And I think that coming off of star Wars, he's trying to distance himself from that. Dude's the biggest movie star in the world right now, at this point. But is he a Maybe good actor? Biggest, <laughs> I, actually, I don't know, Steve. That's a good. I've question. never thought Harrison Ford is a good actor. He's a, he's in good movies. He's not a good actor. Arnold Schwarzenegger is in good movies. Doesn't make him a good actor. True. Huh. All right. So, uh, you guys got any final thoughts before we say yes or no? I I, I know I've kind of hated on this movie. It, it is good. There's you know, some points they try to raise, but what did you guys think of the plot overall? The, the, the point is they make these replicants that are supposed to be like human, like they can, they're stronger than humans and have the ability for like emotion and stuff, but are it's almost like a cap on that. And then they, they make them do slave work, like extra terrenial, like off the United, uh, the world. Um, like that that made I don't I don't know. I that I thought it was kind of like a cheesy like plot overall, but maybe that's just my Vince Rance gripe. I thought I it know. I thought it was actually a pretty neat plot. Kind of like mm. I guess these replicants like taking back what they think should be theirs cuz they're eventually evolving to where they're gaining human emotion and learning and they want they Well, I I guess my point is why did the people that made the replicants make them as intelligent as they yeah, are. why why would they give them like, emotions? If, if you're, if you're, why do we make IBM Watson, who's way smarter than us? Like, but it even says in like the initial scroll that they made him as smart or smarter. It literally said that. And but why, dude, I, I think if, that's if you're brilliant. I think something, why would I think we're that? literally doing that today with like Watson and other AI technology. We we make computers who are smarter than us. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, and, I guess. And the few times you see Tyrell's character, it's obvious he's very narcissistic about his creation and trying that's to push the envelope. And I think you can really buy a brilliant scientist or businessman trying to do anything for history and to be regarded. Yeah, I mean, for me, on. Vince, the, the, I think you have a really good point in that the storytelling in this movie actually does kind of suck. Like, it's kind of boring, and the pacing's kind of yeah. slow, and, like, it's not always engaging. But... I think that the questions that the plot raises are why it's like the overall themes a cl- a classic, not necessarily like it's action packed scene by scene. Yeah, uh, I thought the premise was good. They didn't go quite in the like in the direction that I thought they would um, when I saw like the opening scroll thing there. Um, but yeah, I mean it was an interesting way to set up the movie, and I think that kind of setting four of these these robots loose in a city when as a, as a member of the audience, you don't know exactly how much stronger or smarter they are than humans is, is kind of exciting. So you're, you're, I mean, it, it got me like in the mood for the hunt right away, I guess. 
I have a separate question to pose, and I kind of hit on this earlier. Uh, the very, very whiteness of this film, and specifically the Replicant 6, which is supposed to be the highest model and kind of the pinnacle of creation, are like white, Hitler would love them, Aryan huh. race people. Do you think a movie like this would fly today, or do you think there'd be, you know, a black dude and an Asian in there? Well, Interesting uh, point. I Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling are white. And they're the only people we know that are in the next Blade Runner so far. True, but they might like remake the Ghostbusters as all chicks, or like ma- remake uh, Ocean's <laughs> Eleven as all chicks. You never know, you know. Well, didn't so. Roy kind of have like an Eastern European accent type deal? Like he is white. And get Gaff seen that way. That I, was James almost. I thought he was. Hispanic. I thought he was. Uh, yeah, that's true. I thought uh, Roy was. Um, the guy from Rocky oh Four, Ivan Drago. I thought it was what Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same scary face. <laughs> Almost alien Scary. It, it was very Nazi as how they're trying to create this perfect race. Did you guys not think of that? Yeah. That's a good point. I, I caught on to some of the kind of undertones there, especially like when they're talking to the creator guy in his lair or whatever he's got, his tower. Um, Definitely caught some undertones. I can't remember any specific lines right now, but you kind of it. He kind of nudges right up against that line. I would say to where he's he's not saying that outright. Like the the uh, Nazi scientists did weird human experiments too, didn't they? Like they tried to create like superhumans, but like yeah, by doing some weird stuff. So are we saying that replicants can give birth too? I don't think so because there's no like kid replicants. Yeah, although there are the time bandit replicants. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. All right. Oh, so no, no. just go uh, yes or no's. Uh, who wants to start? I'll start. I think I've voiced my opinion a little bit. Um, not my favorite movie, but I can really see why it is a cult classic. Um, but I am not in this cult. No way, no how. Uh, it's it's definitely a no for me. But I think the themes that they were trying to go for are somewhat important and kind of cool and iconic in a sense. Um, but I just don't enjoy this movie. Uh, I, I get it. I understand. But I just I don't enjoy watching it. So for me, it's a no, dog. All right. Uh, Pap? Uh, I'll give it a yes. I, I'm not going to lie. I was bored at points. Uh, this is the first time that I saw it. I didn't love everything about it, but I have a feeling... It's one of those movies that gets better every time you see it. And it is regarded as a classic, even though I might not appreciate all the storytelling elements now. The themes are interesting. So I'll give it a yes for me. Interesting, Pappy. Um, <laughs> so right after I was done watching this movie, I was like kind of mad because I had really high expectations. And I also was getting just like kind of bored. And um, I think that I wasn't in the right mood to watch this movie. And... So I came away kind of unsatisfied, but I'm really glad we got to kind of talk about it because it helped me catch a few more things, even that I didn't, that I kind of had marinating, I guess, and helped me put. So now it's a yes. <laughs> Jordan. And this is a yes. <laughs> that sounded like Jordan, actually. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's a no. I didn't enjoy it. I'm going to watch it again, but it also got me excited for the uh, new one that comes out in September, I think. I think that they could do some cool things with that, but it's a, it's a no for me. Unless you're uh, gonna invest two times to watch this movie, uh, Stevie. Um, I was bored out of my mind watching this movie. It may. Have, it's a pretty cool. I mean, it's a cool premise. 
Philip K. Dick, who comes from the original source novel, has done some pretty interesting books that became movies. I think it's one of those things where not all of his books should become movies, like Total Recall, which I still have no idea what that movie is about. <laughs> I've watched it three times, so I have no idea what happens. And uh, I think this is one of those cases where they didn't know what to do with the source material that they got, and they didn't know how to handle it. Um, not my cup of tea, so it's a no for me. Josh? Uh, I used to read a lot of sci-fi. Kind of went on a kick. Nerd! Um, this reminded me of kind of being in a Asimov story and the way they set the mood. It kind of gives you that feel all the way through. I definitely enjoy movies that ask higher questions like this one does. Uh, I th- it can be a boring movie. There's so many scenes where they just go wide and show you like two or three shots of the city. And the city's so drab and dark. It feels, it feels boring and slow sometimes. I agree. However, um, I think... You can kind of tell I've kind of been arguing for this movie all the way through. And if I could go back in time to freshman year, I would trade in getting those two cheeseburgers and fries and I would watch this movie. (laughs) It is a yes. (laughs) All right. Uh, I'll say yes. I think this movie does a lot of things right and it does a lot of things wrong at the same time. Um, Some pros has great visual effects. Uh, It has a groundbreaking score. It's like a staple of the genre at this point. And uh, I kind of like that all of the different versions are uh, a little bit different and or have different endings. Um, Some cons, it definitely has its own cons. It's got poor or confusing writing at some points and there's bad dialogue and it can be boring at some times. But uh, I think that all the things that it's not, it makes up for and like how groundbreaking of a movie it was so i'll say yes and that uh is a tie actually it's three yeses and three no's yeah so this is uh three three what is this limbo yeah it expires today (laughs) i don't know it's our first tie yeah it expired today uh it's like your last chance and uh so all right so this is just a number one number trivia uh, the beginning of the movie uh, says the time is November 2019. How many days away is November 1st, 2019? So we'll just go what? R- real quick through everybody. Just Ooh. give a number. Uh, 920. Five hundred and two. 760. 700. 800. Shit. The answer is 957. Pap said 920. Yeah! Back to back, Pap! Back to back, Pap! Yeah! Back to back, Shows! Back to back, Pap! Time too. What is it? What gem do you get from the eighties? Dude, John week? Candy, John Candy movie, John Candy movie next. <laughs> I wasn't ready to pick. Someone else has got to play us off. I need to think about this one. All right, you can email us at podcastspoilers at gmail dot com. Um, our Twitter name is now spoilers underscore pod. Shoot us some messages there. Um, we got a website podcastspoilers dot com updated every week. Um, 
It's looking lovely. It's got some stats, it's got some collections in there, worth checking out. Yeah, it's coming along, uh, work in progress. And we also got a hotline bling, uh, but I always gotta look up the number. <laughs> it's always in my recent calls. It has a, it has a, it's a Texas number, but it's told me, I promise. Uh, but it comes with my phone that is from Texas. But yeah, our hotline bling is 903-776-4507. Uh, it spells spoil somewhere in there, but I don't know. You can figure it out. Um, I think I hit all those. Uh, happy what will it be? Oh, right, and so... uh, thanks to uh, um, um, Josh Hensley from The Rutabaga. He did our opening song that you're listening to in a little bit. Uh, it's wonderfully done. Oh, that's played already. You can also find <laughs> yeah, us on yeah. iTunes. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, give us a review or find anybody else named Spoilers and hate on them a little bit. Um, we are the number one search for movie, movie spoilers. spoilers. Yeah, and we're Spoilers! Exclamation point. Um, so you can look us on there. We're on SoundCloud as well. Um, and uh, coming to YouTube soon. So it's even been a little bit too much 80s for me recently even for the 80s guy on the pod. So I'm going to take the spoilers bus all the way back to 1954. We're going to do our first Hitchcock movie uh, with one of my favorite actors of all time, Jimmy Stewart, yeah. a movie called Rear Window. Noise. Nice. The original Disturbium. Let's do it. Awesome. So uh, this was uh, Blade Runner. Tie, 3-3, yes, no's. Uh, this is spoilers. Math teacher Mark Math Paper.